Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. Because the reality is that stopping offenders from offending is entirely the burden of the victim. And yet when these people have the courage to come forward with so much on the line, they're just met with barrier after barrier after barrier. As I said last week, from the outset, today's podcast comes with a very important warning. Today's episode is part two of my interview with Shannon Malloy, where we discuss childhood sexual abuse. Shannon was offended against as a five-year-old, and although he doesn't go into detail about the actual abuse, he doesn't shy away from the effect that abuse has had on him until this very day. His message is very clear. Please never look away from child sexual abuse. Do something, anything, but please don't ignore it. The damage childhood sexual abuse has upon its victims, survivors, cannot be underestimated. And as Shannon says, we have to address these issues rather than put them aside. And we need to instill in our children that if they're scared of someone or something, or they don't feel right or feel a bit uncomfortable, they need to tell someone and not keep it a secret. Because the stats keep coming up time and time again that it takes on average 23 years for a woman to report a sexual assault, and with men it's even higher. In Shannon's case, it took him 28 years. We can all help in reducing these statistics by encouraging our children and young people that nothing is too difficult, embarrassing or humiliating to talk to someone about. 
And this week, Shannon takes us through his feelings of shame and guilt that he experienced at the age of five. I just can't get my head around the fact that a little five-year-old could have those feelings. It's just so foreign to me. It's just so wrong and so sad. At five, all I was interested in was playing with my sisters and making mud cakes in our backyard cubby house. At one point, Shannon says that at five, he was, quote, picked up from a carefree world into a world no child should feel, unquote. We also talk about his offender, who was eight at the time, and the horrible, toxic, extreme violence that he experienced in his own home. And that's why, if we think or have an inkling, a child is being mistreated or exposed to domestic and family violence, we need to stand up and do something and not look away. That is one way we might be able to reduce the frightening effects of domestic and family violence, which police and other emergency services are attending numerous times per shift. Too many. If the authorities become involved early, maybe, just maybe, we might be able to uh, help in reducing another young person either being an offender or a victim. And as Shannon says at one point, no kid is evil or born broken. Uh, This week, Shannon takes us also into the moment that he realised in writing his second book, He Made Me This Way, that he really needed to speak with the perpetrator. Although he was terrified, it helped Shannon heal in regards to some of the psychological wounds this man had inflicted upon him for the majority of his life. It just shows the calibre of the man when Shannon shares the range of emotions he experienced during these conversations and how one of those emotions was feeling some empathy for the life his perpetrator now lives. That just says so much about Shannon. And again, this isn't easy listening, but as Shannon says, it's a conversation we all need to have and not ignore or bury because it's too sad or too confronting to think about. The less we talk about it, the more it will continue. Thanks and have a good week. Um, If you don't mind, if we could go back to uh, when you were offended against as a five-year-old, could you describe for us how you felt? And by that I mean, did you know that what was happening was wrong? Did you feel frightened, scared? Like Were you threatened? Yeah. Do you think you'd done something wrong? Like, did you feel guilty? Like, yeah. Did you know something wasn't right? Instantly, uh, instantly. The moment, really? the moment yeah. he sort of like, you know, it. I just instantly knew. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know the context of the behaviour or anything like that. But it was like mm. it was like a kind of you know an adrenaline switch was was hit inside of me, and I felt very uneasy about. I don't know. It's like I sensed the pressure in the room change or something, and wow, and I just yeah. instinctively knew that something something wasn't right. And then it yeah. it happened, and I, you know, it's like I wanted to tear my own skin off. I remember that that moment <gasps> so vividly. Wow. The, you know, yeah. the temperature in the room, the the angle of the sun, uh, you know, sunlight streaming through the the cracks in his blinds, like everything. I just remember so vividly. Such was the the trauma of it um yeah it was it was over pretty quickly um but I just you know for days I I 
hid under a blanket and barely came out. You know, like I, I it was it was terrifying. It it made me very uneasy. I felt deep shame and guilt. Um, wow. You know, God, again, I didn't. Fine. Yeah, I. It's funny. Yeah. Like I had no idea what had happened, but I I knew that it was naughty and rude, and um, yeah, and that yeah. kids kids aren't don't do this, and that if anyone ever found out, I'd be in so much trouble, and things that that I don't know, just kind of were there in my in my in my reaction to to this thing. Um, so it was it was horrible, and and then you know it kept happening over over many years and um and the more it happened the worse it felt and uh you know i yeah it was it was horrible and and it's it's as though in that moment on that day at five i was picked up and plucked from the carefree path that i was set to walk in childhood and thrown on a very different one thinking things that no child should think um and feeling about myself the way that that no no child should feel so it was very difficult uh, yeah. Oh, gee, Shannon, the, the way you describe that, I'm sorry, in a way it's beautiful, the way that you can, beautiful's the wrong word, but just I've never heard anybody describe it that succinctly. I don't quite know what mm-hmm. the word is, but but to think that at five years old, and yeah. what are you now? Thirty? What are you? Thirty-five? Uh, How old I, are you now? Uh, Thirty. Uh, Thirty-seven. <laughs> I'm doing the math in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but to think that at thirty-seven, yeah. you can still go back <clears throat> to a, the feelings you felt when mm. I when I asked that question, I thought about that question. I never thought that. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. Um, do you know why the abuse stopped, Shannon? Uh, just circumstance. He moved away uh, with his his mum. His parents' marriage fell apart. It was a horrible, toxic relationship. That that I think you know. I'm, I, again, I'm not a not a psychologist or his psychologist, but I feel like that's what led to the abuse was his own horrible, horrible home life. Um, I don't think he was sexually abused, but I he I know that he was physically abused by his father, um, extreme violence, extreme, horrible, horrible home life. Um, in the end, he moved away and, and then we lost touch, uh, you know, pre-internet, pre-social media. Um, so, yeah, that's that's when it stopped. But, um, yeah, it was – it's funny. I, I remember the first time really, really vividly. Mm. I remember maybe the second or third time, like a little less vivid, um, and mm. then it's sort of like a blur of kind of God knows. It was pretty much every time that we were together alone. So over several years, uh, that's quite a lot. Um, but I don't, you know, that's all mashed up together. But then I remember the last time really vividly and I was sort of, I think it's, I was nearing the age, like pre-adolescence where I nothing had changed about how I thought about it, about it being wrong and about me being evil perhaps and playing some some role in this horrible thing. And um, mm. but I was also nearing the age where like I kind of knew that I, I, I wanted, wanted it to stop and that maybe I could. I was getting old enough where I could push back, I could, you know, argue, whatever. Um, and so I did. Uh, and, um, yeah, thankfully. Uh, and so... 
you know, I thought I thought it was over, and of course it wasn't. It just, um, you know, the physical part of it was over. Uh, the rest, the rest kept bubbling away. When you say the physical part was over, uh, so and the rest kept bubbling away, you, you're talking about in your mind. Yeah, your... yeah. I never spoke to him again. Uh, well, not until I wrote, I started writing the book, and I reached out to him. Um, but from really, how did how did that go? Um, it was, it was interesting. I was terrified of doing it, but also as a writer, I knew that it would make a really good story. <laughs> um, so I made myself do it. <laughs> um, I was like, wow. I know, I was like, God damn it. The book needs this. Um, so I had yeah. to do it. I had no choice. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. but then the, the kind of saving grace was that it was COVID, uh, and, and regional, uh, I should be careful how I word this for defamation reasons. Um, mm. The the regional area that he lived in was kind of locked off to everywhere else. And so I couldn't go in person, which I was originally planning to do, uh, you know, rock up in the car and knock on the door and, and say, hello, can we talk about, <laughs> talk about this? And yeah. so I had to do it on, on social media instead, um, which I think was really Good. It was quite disarming for him. Um, I think sitting down, you know, face to face with him, having to him having to look me in the eye, I think would have really limited how candid he was with me. Um, so we had a really long and a really frank conversation um, about really? about everything. And I thought maybe he wouldn't remember. I thought maybe he would remember it differently. I thought he would be really defensive and he wasn't, he, he remembered really? it, um, uh, quite vividly in, in cases as well in, um, in parts. And yeah, yeah. he wasn't angry. He was really sad about how, how much it had affected me. Um, he didn't think that it had affected him. Um, although I think perhaps he just hadn't thought about it in that way. Um, because the reality is that, you know, I asked him so many questions. He he is heterosexual. He considers himself heterosexual, uh, but he's never had a meaningful relationship in his life. He's never been married. He's never had a, a long-term relationship, has no kids, lives alone, a very kind of solitary life. Uh, I, I don't get the impression that he's overly happy um, uh, or that there's much sort of going on for him. Uh, okay. And so yeah. I... I mean, again, armchair psychologist, I think that that perhaps is a product of, of what happened. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was. Shannon, did he ever, uh, I don't know if I should ask this, but I will. <laughs> did he ever apologise to you? He did. He, uh, for, for just how significant the impact had been. Um, Cause he was, I think he was really flawed that, that I even thought about it anymore, that it was just, you know, in his mind. It- even, even, that's, even that says so much yeah. that he, don't you think that he didn't even sort of, he had no second thoughts about it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, and I, I kind of cycled through emotions in our conversation where I'd be angry, then I'd be very empathetic and, uh, you know, I think 
the conclusion. Yeah, I'm feeling the same. (laughs) (laughs) The the conclusion I came to at the end, which, you know, would have been a very different conclusion if I hadn't spent so much time talking to other men, talking to experts, talking to clinicians. The conclusion I came to was that, you know, exactly what I said at the beginning, no kid is evil. No, no kid is born broken. You know, like there's, there are things that happen that, that lead to some really horrible and unfortunate things. Um, but children are children. Uh, things happened to him and around him that that led to trauma and that this was this was his mm. trauma response. Um, obviously not ideal, but but it happened. Mm. Uh, and mm. and he was a victim just as much as I was. And uh, yeah, yeah. you know, he insists that it never happened with anyone else. He never, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you know what what inspired it, what what sparked it. Um, but I kind of felt much more at peace at the end of that conversation. Uh, and and suddenly, I you know I didn't hate him uh, anymore. I, I you know I, I haven't. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that I don't feel a multitude of things when I think about him. But but hate is no longer one of those things. And I think that's a pretty that's a pretty fine outcome um, from a conversation I never would have had, by the way, uh, if not no, if not yeah, for yeah. going down this garden path. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, tell me about the thought process behind the title of your newest book, You Made Me This Way. Um, it was therapy. It was uh, it was being in therapy, and I I don't I don't know why, but I just started talking about you know this about being five, about oh. this boy, about this afternoon in his bedroom, and uh, and then kind of everything that followed, and uh, and my my shrink sort of like sat up in his chair and went, oh my god, this explains so much. And I was like, oh, really? Like, what do you mean? And then we sort of started connecting all the dots and it was like, oh, my God, this is why I am the way I am, you know. He Mm -hmm. made me this way. Um, And that's a bit of a blanket and that's a bit of a cop-out in some ways. Um, You know, I'm I'm a free-willed person. I am responsible for my actions. It wasn't an excuse, but it was an explanation that just... Mm it was like someone switched on a light, you know, it was, it was really, it was powerful because I, when you understand something, you can start to address it. And I really felt like, I felt like, Oh my God, yes, this makes so much sense. And now in hindsight, it seems so obvious, you know, I'm terrified of being abandoned. I'm, I'm a massive people pleaser. I panic if, if I get an inkling that someone doesn't like me. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know how that could happen, Shannon. Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> Sydney's a tough town. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and all these other things, you know, like uh, I, I, if I feel rejected, I, I get very angry or sad. Um, if I feel like a... You know, someone isn't taking me seriously or, or treats me like a child. Uh, all these things that sort of go back to not just the abuse, but the way that he would manipulate me, the way that he would use sort of uh, kind of like bullying tactics. Because there was, it was a three year age gap, but I was very immature. Uh, and so it, you know, might have been a bit more in, in that regard. Um, and he was quite mature and quite like a, an old soul. 
Um, mm. And so all these things sort of lined up and it was a real revelation and, uh, and that's, that, that inspired the book, the very, the very start of all of this, uh, you know, came back, came back to the title. And also speaking to... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. The other men about, you know, just all these things we have in common. It's like, you know, the, I spoke to about 12 men in total. Five are in the book. Um, the others either didn't want to be in the book but wanted to talk to me just for context and background or others who changed their mind halfway through, whatever. Um but all of them, you know, different ages, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, uh, different socioeconomic statuses, different, you know, uh, grew up in different areas of the country, all had very, very similar experiences and very similar outcomes from their abuse and the trauma that it, that it caused. And it's almost as though, you know, we, we spoke 
a shared language that very few other people understand. Um, and so that really reinforced the title that, you know, you can take a boy, rich or poor, you know, white or not, uh, English speaking or not, city or bush, whatever, um, and this experience can lead them here. And I think that's that's really scary, but it's also really powerful because if you can demonstrate to somebody that this is like, you know, this horrible course is possible, then maybe people will want to stop it before it happens. Gee, uh, in your latest book, and apart from the survivors that you spoke to of male um, child sex abuse, you said that you also spoke with, you know, such a huge variety of people, but including researchers, experts and therapists. Was there anything any of them said which surprised you or that you weren't aware of within yourself? Oh, gosh. Um, so many. There's a guy I spoke to, uh, Ian Hickey. He's a, he's a professor and a psychiatrist. He's very well regarded. Uh, it was, it was just extraordinary to get any time with him at all, let alone so much time. And one of the things he said to me was that, uh, like in terms of relationships, which has always been a kind of struggle for me, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've desperately sought love for most of my life and, and have looked for it in all the wrong places. Uh, and um, we've all, well, I think a lot of us have been down that track, Shannon. <laughs> There's a song about that, isn't there? Looking there for is. love in all the wrong places. <laughs> um, yeah, go on. And, yeah. Uh, and he sort of explained that, you know, your the relationships that you're in or the relationships that you seek out uh, kind of mirror the uh, the, your early childhood experiences, you know, children that see healthy relationships and, you know, mm. even, even divorce aside, they see parents that act like adults and share responsibilities and don't act with malice, aren't physically or, or emotionally abusive or whatever the case may be. They mirror those later in life. And so it's, it's, it really shows the power of an unhealthy or an unsafe environment on a child. And that, that really clicked for me is like, oh God, I was, you know, I was filling this, this void with, uh, you know, with the same stuff that had happened and, you know, men who were manipulative and, and abusive and, uh, and just horrible uh, or mean, you know, just mean. And for some reason, I, <laughs> I don't know, that was like, or, you know, that saying, treat them mean, keep them keen, that was, you know, <laughs> almost written about me. Um, and so <laughs> that was a real, that was a real eye-opener. Um, but there were so many. And, and I spoke to a couple of lawyers and an insight into the failures of the justice system was, um, I mean, obviously I knew how, how horrible it is to be a victim of child sexual abuse or just sexual violence in general, um, the, the low number of, of victims that report it and then the minuscule number of successful prosecutions. Um, but to speak to lawyers who are there every day specialising in this field, I just it just made me so angry because the reality is that stopping offenders from offending is entirely the burden of the victim because if no one ever comes forward, then no, no perpetrators right. are ever charged and, and hopefully sentenced. Yep. And yet when these people have the courage to come forward with so much on the line, they're, they're just met with barrier after barrier after barrier. And even when they find 
a great cop who's who's been trained really well and a and a great prosecutor who's determined and a court that does the right thing then their perpetrator gets either a, a shitty sentence or no sentence at all and and you just think mm. no wonder people don't come forward and again i don't want to dissuade them from from doing so if that's right for them but my god like you know the the burden on on victims and survivors is already enormous um and we just make it so much worse when when you know to come forward and report a crime you should be supported from that step onwards and it, it just rarely happens that way um the yeah. justice system is a joke uh and so that was that was an incredible conversation with these two lawyers um but really made me angry mm. it, it makes me angry and i was part of it you know you, you have people like yourself that come forward and they bear their soul. They've never told anybody yeah. such intimate and humiliating uh, experiences that they've gone through and you get to court and the poor vic- uh, survivors like yourself, they are, I continually use the word hammered mm. because I feel that's what it is. They are hammered by the defence to the point where sometimes, you know, I used to think, what have I done by bringing this person to court and being treated in this disgraceful way where I don't believe the people that were questioning them, I don't believe the judge, the defence, they just, even the prosecution a lot, I don't think they really understood Mm. how to treat a survivor, how to talk to them. And I just felt so often they were humiliated again on you know, on the witness stand, it's just, it's just wrong. Yeah. And there's so many little things that can be done to improve that, like, you know, giving, giving evidence, not in the same room as your perpetrator, but, you know, in a different room via video link, that was always Mm. thought to be impossible, you know, technically, but also, you know, does that go against the ethos of justice? Yep. And then, then COVID happened yep. and it's like, oh, no, it is possible, <laughs> as it turns out. Yes, um, you're right. We can, COVID has actually, but yeah, COVID has actually been a plus, I think, in, uh, in a that lot of ways. Uh, yeah. respect. Yes, yeah. And other little things like, you know, the, the kind of room that you wait in before you go into the courtroom, like why are they next to the room that the perpetrator and their family are waiting in. Like, that's just stupid to me, the design of the the basic stuff, like the design of the floor plan, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, But then just the sentences are strong and robust. Just enforce them, you know, like I can't, God. Mm -hmm. There was one one in the ACT last week, um, a man who'd been convicted of of raping a young woman um, and he got, community service and it's like okay come on because he'd suffered enough and he came from a good family the judge said it's like well oh yes yes i i I think i read that and i thought well so what if he comes from a good family he's still raped yeah a young woman raped somebody you know it's like well if if the good family sort of you know gives you confidence in in the low likelihood of reoffending didn't that fail in in him offending in the first place? Like anyway, yeah. I could talk about yeah. uh, the court and judges for hours. I just find it such a when when 
my book and so many countless examples have illustrated the lifelong consequences for victims and survivors. I think the court should take that into account uh, when when sentencing the, very, the small number of perpetrators that do come before it. Um, but there's just so many things that need to be done to make it easier to report a crime, um, mm. but also to take the burden away from victims and survivors to stop this, you know, like we, we can do so much in education. We can do so much in identifying risky behaviours and and, uh, and working swiftly to stop them. Um, yeah, so. Mm. Uh, and you're right, we could have a whole podcast about the, well, a number of podcasts about uh, the justice system yeah. and the failings of it. Um, you use the expression a lot, about not looking away. Yeah. You use that quite a bit. Uh, for instance, you say things like, uh, thanks for not looking away, pledge not to look away. Yeah. And in promoting your latest book, You Made Me This Way, you say, this book shines a light on this darkness in our society and the challenge to all of us is not to look away. So I'm assuming that there are those in your life who did look away and here I think I'm highlighting some of the teachers in your schooling years where you were bullied Mm. horrendously um, because if they hadn't looked away as such, uh, things may well have been very different for you. Can you tell us a little bit about this message? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, I, I experienced it for the year that I was writing this book when, you know, I'd go to a dinner party or a work function or a barbecue or something and and people, you know, ask, oh, what's how's the book going? What are you writing about? What's the new book? And and I would say it and the conversation would stop and, and yep. swiftly move on to something else because this is, you know, there's a lot of ugliness in life and, uh, and, and it, you know, it's, it's not nice to think about it, but this is probably one of the ugliest things that occurs, I think. Uh, and and to pause in in a really, you know, complex world and in times that are tough after, you know, huge uncertainty from COVID and whatever else, life is tough enough without stopping and confronting these horrible things, let alone child sexual abuse. And the second thing that terrifies people into not talking or thinking about this is how common it is, how prevalent it is that a child will be abused. Um, It's not, you know, one in a thousand, it's not one in a million, it's one in five, uh, which is, is scary. And so I understand not, not wanting to confront this. Um, uh, I saw it at, at, at all those instances. I've seen it since the book come out where, you know, there are TV shows on at certain time of day that just will not touch this. There are radio programs on certain frequencies that just will not touch it. There are there are editors of particular outlets that don't want to talk about it because it's too sad, it's too ugly, uh, you know, there's enough going on. The the problem with that is is what I said before when, you know, evil evil thrives in the dark. Um the, the less we talk about these things, the more they go on. Uh, and again, it's horrible for the child in question. It's destructive for their lifetime. But so many other costs are borne by uh, all of us in society. Um, and so that alone, <laughs> for selfish reasons, warrants the conversation that the suffering that can be avoided not just from, you know, obviously from stopping it happening in the first place, but for those that it's already happened to, taking away some of the burden from them 
uh, you know, on walking alone with this um, can make such a difference in life and, and stop a lot of that hurt. So not looking away um, is tough, but it's it's just critical, absolutely critical. Mm. Mm. Funny you say that. I've been reading a fair bit about Paul Denyer of late due to his application for parole and the understandable concerns within the community, particularly family and friends of those three young innocent women that he murdered. Um, what concerned me greatly about that was that some of the behaviours that he uh, uh, displayed as a child, and it appears to me that many people looked away. Yeah. I believe I believe there's some who are beyond help or treatment. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, well, I think, you know, when things present themselves in childhood, that's not just an indication that something's wrong, but it's an indication that something needs to be done. All of the evidence on early interventions in children uh, is extremely positive. Uh, if, if something happens to a child, whether it's abuse or, or an interaction with some other sort of trauma, getting them help as soon as possible can have a really great outcome for them and for all those around them. Uh, I, in terms of you know, paroles, I, I just, every story that I've read about a perpetrator or a serial perpetrator, it just seems that it's clear to me that many are not going to stop. Uh, and so they should not be out on the streets, um, mm. particularly if the only way that they get put away again is for someone to have the bravery to speak up. Um, so, mm. yeah, I, I I hear from time to time stories about people getting parole or not getting um, sufficient sentencing, and I just think someone is going to have to pay for that, and it's mm. it's, yeah. it's an it, it's an awful thought, isn't it? Horrible. Because I'll say here I'll I'll say here and now and right out there, I would be very very concerned. Uh, in fact, I'd be petrified. If Paul, and I don't know anybody that's uh, been involved in the investigation, I only know what we all know as uh, members of the community, but from what I have read, uh, heard and listened to, I would be, pet and also my experience in investigating uh, offences along those lines, I would be petrified if he ever got released because I have absolutely no doubt he would kill again because... He has shown really frightening tendencies, a hatred towards women mm. uh, from when he was a very, very young child. And I think, I, I don't know if, I think 30 years inside, I can't see how it would yeah. change him. You know, it, I, I would be petrified if he ever got released, but that's quite a political statement, I suppose. But I think I say what a lot of people feel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when courts fail so much at the kind of sentencing phase, I'm also a little concerned about any of the judgment calls on, you know, parole and, mm. <laughs> and whatever else. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's scary to think. Mm. Yes. Anyway, look, um, we're, I, I could talk to you forever, Shannon. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have got a family that aren't well. You've you've um, uh, helped 
well, you've talked to us today when you're not 100% yourself. So um, I won't keep you any longer other than to say, can you give a bit of a plug for your two books and where people can find them? Sure. So my first book, 14, uh, and my second book, You May Be This Way, are available in all good bookshops. Uh, if they don't have it in stock, they'll order it for you. But it's also on uh, ebook, uh, on whatever device you like, and on audiobook. Uh, which I, I read both. So you get to hear, hear my voice, uh, not quite as nasally as I am now with this cold. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, however, uh, however you like to consume books, they're both available. Okay, thanks. And in closing, just um, thanks for shining a light on what is clearly a very uncomfortable topic. But like you say, please don't look away. Don't ignore something that concerns you. Talk to someone, talk to anyone, but by doing nothing, you're almost uh, condoning the behaviour. Yeah. It might just save someone like Shannon, um, like yourself, from having a life damaged and sometimes beyond repair. So please do not look away. Thank you. And thanks for giving me the space to talk about this too. It's an absolute pleasure. You take care, Shannon. Thanks for your time. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. <laughs> Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.